Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Lori from Portland. And the title of Lori's story is, I did what the voices told me to. Lori, I always knew you were nutso. How are you? Thank you for coming on Jesse Jameson and Friends. And so, so this story sounds a little creepy. I was watching Twilight Zone for a couple of episodes this weekend. And when I read the title of your story, I did what the voices told me to. Lori, that kind of sounds a little Twilight zone -y. How are you, by the way? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, and, you know, at the time, it sort of felt that way, too. I mean, this was something that happened, like, in the 80s when, you know, nobody was talking about, you know, anything spiritual or intuitive. I mean, I was told growing up, intuition didn't exist, you know, that kind of stuff. So, it, it felt totally creepy at the time. So this story happens in the early 80s. Were you a young child at the time or how, how old were you when this story kind of takes place or it begins? I would say, you know, more mid 80s. I was about 10 or 12 ish, somewhere in that general vicinity. But, you know, definitely the big hair days. That's for sure. Okay. And so <laughs> is this grade school, junior high? Not quite high school, correct? No, not quite. It was definitely middle schoolish. I think I might have, it was during the summer, so I don't connect it with school. I just remember being like 10 or 12. -ish. So I don't know if it was between fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh, but you but do somewhere in that general vicinity. Yeah. So, so one night you're laying there in your room and all of a sudden you hear this voice and it's like, kill, 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 kill. <laughs> No, no, it wasn't like that. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be hunting you down. No, that's um, right. <laughs> no, it was actually at church camp that summer, and was something. I mean, I I went to church camp more as a way to get out of the house and go do something fun, you know. And you know the the cabin that we were in it was like four rooms with a big open area in the center you know kind of gathering area and each of the rooms would have 10 or 12 girls and a uh, I want to say older woman but I mean she might have been late teens early 20s I was young at the time so that's relative but um, you know kind of a, a leader in the room and so, yeah, there were a lot of us. It was church camp, mid-80s. And, yeah, I was, I was trying to fall asleep that night. And I know you, you've probably never worn, like, a flannel nightgown to bed, have you? I mean, that's probably not something guys are familiar with. But I, have, I think I have had flannel pajamas before. But, you know, in Arizona, half the time you can make do with, you know, just a T-shirt. Right, right. Well, this is, you know, in Oregon, even the summers, especially, I think it was more Eastern Oregon, it can still get fairly chilly at night. Um, you know, desert kind of thing up here is cold at night. It doesn't stay warm like, like Arizona. So anyway, I'm, I'm trying to fall asleep in my flannel nightgown in a sleeping bag that's flannel lined. 
And so flannel on flannel is a lot like Velcro. It just doesn't move real easy, right? So I'm trying to get comfortable, get everything arranged. I always slept on my stomach. So I'm trying to fall asleep and, you know, just kind of drifting off. You know, that space in between, you're still kind of, thinking, but you're drifting off. You're not totally awake or aware. And that's when I heard that voice. And it was not in my head. It was outside of of me. It was a male voice. And it just said my name really sharply, like to get my attention. And when I opened my eyes, I was staring at the ceiling. And I'm like, now, Lori, let me ask, let me ask you this back in those days. So Lori, let me ask you this, because I've had dreams before and, you know, dreams can seem really real. And I could see somebody in the last second of a dream saying, Lori, and then you wake up and you're staring at the wall in a room full of girls. Could I could I be right that it was just a dream? I I don't believe that because. There was another experience where I was fully wide awake years later where that same voice occurred. Um, Totally different circumstance. But this was definitely a situation where it was there. And like I said, I had been falling asleep on my stomach. And when I opened my eyes, I was staring at the ceiling. And I did kind of a quick sort of scan and if I had rolled over myself, my nightgown would have just been all over the place and wrapped around me kind of thing. And it wasn't. It was it was just perfectly, you know, like I had and I'm like, OK, how'd that happen? Because in those days, if I fell asleep on my back, I had a nightmare and would wake up. So I know I was on my stomach when I fell asleep. So you, you go to sleep on, <laughs> so, your, on your you go to sleep on your stomach you wake up mm-hmm. and, and you know that something uh, in a supernatural way moved you because otherwise your clothes would have been wrinkled. That sounds like yeah. re- that sounds like the best evidence I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, was- okay. So, Lori, we're gonna call that not good enough yet. Give me, <laughs> give me. <laughs> Give me better. Well, see, there was a reason. So what, here's the thing. As it played out, I figured out that there was a reason for it. And that was that was the trippy part, I think. Because, you know, okay, I'm, I'm staring at the ceiling now, right? And all I can hear is my own heartbeat in my ears for a moment because I'm scared. And I, I'm laying there and I'm like, okay, what do you want? And now the conversation's in my head because I'm thinking, okay, what is this? What's going on? What do you want? And as my heartbeat calmed down, I started hearing whispers outside my window. Um, and I looked down and there's a bunch of boys from the, you know, boys cabin, of course, Lori, under the I window swear, running Lori, I swear, I swear I was just going to say that. I was going to say, Lori, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> wa- I did not want to tell you this, but me and a couple of the other boys in the other cabin across of the course. Way, we came and we were throwing <laughs> pebbles at your window, but you're, you wouldn't wake up. So finally, Joey's like, Lori. And it, it was. Oh, not- no, no, no. See, they were being quiet. 
they were shushing each other and being totally quiet. And every once in a while, I'd hear one of them like giggle. And I heard the word <laughs> raid, but they were sneaking. They were not trying to get anybody's attention. And so then I'm realizing, okay, there's other girls that are still up in the cabin. They're in the bathroom. They're changing. I can hear them in there. And the girls' bathroom, because everybody's, you know, it's, it's one whole cabin of just girls. There were no doors anywhere even entering the bathroom. So to be in there changing and getting ready for bed, it's, it's an open room. Yeah, but doesn't so that, doesn't that make, I'm realizing. I feel like we have a, a phone, hmm? or I feel like we have an audio delay. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, there is a little delay, but I can hear you. Yeah. So here's the situation, though. Even though you were asleep, it sounds like the girls in the cabin and the boys outside the cabin weren't. Uh, to me, that sounds like they played trickery on you, Lori. They're like, oh, that Lori girl, she falls asleep early. You know, what should we do? Pull her hair out, kick her off the bed or just make her pretend but it, like a ghost? It doesn't, it doesn't explain how I flipped over. So and it doesn't explain how I heard the voice in the ear that was opposite the window. Okay. I heard the voice from the center of the room, not from the window side originally. So but all, but it all, all it's, all it's a distinct thing. All it said was Lori. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it was very sharp. And none of the boys knew my name at that stage. I mean, like I wasn't, I was a very quiet wallflower, shy kid. Like I wasn't one of the popular kids that anybody would know. And there's no way any of the boys would have known which room I was in, let alone which bed I was in in that room. So for them to try and get my attention from outside the cabin in a dark room, uh, there's no way they could have known without waking a whole bunch of girls up. Lori, I hate to tell you this, but the truth is every one of those boys knew your name. <laughs> You might think, oh, nobody knows me. I'm little Lori Ann, nobody, and, you know, they don't care. No, every boy knew your name. Everybody, oh, you every, everybody <laughs> in the camp knew that you fell asleep early, and they were just debating, should we put her hand in a bottle, in a bucket of water so she pees on herself? <laughs> Or do we just nice try? Nice try. <laughs> See, the thing is, I was actually one of the last ones in my room to fall asleep. The girls that were still up were in a different room. So I was I mean, everybody else in the room I was in was already asleep before me. So now, I was not an early, early one to bed. Now, no. Lori, Lori, nice let try. me I, I like the theory. <laughs> Lori, let me ask you this. Um, you. You grew up in Portland. It's famous for having a lot of hippies. Isn't there at least a chance that somebody could have fed you some magic mushrooms or some mescaline? <laughs> um, you know, Portland's known for being that way now. In the 80s, it wasn't. In the 80s, it was actually known for being, you know, a bloods and crypt kind of haven there were a lot of uh skinheads in the neighborhood i was like it was not it was not hippie central that came more you know 90s and after but the 80s and early 90s it was an entirely different city um so 
you know, nice try. I, I still love the theory. It's great. I, you know, keep going. I love this story because you're, you're an actual friend of mine. And I just want you to know that I've had these type of talks with my friends and I always try to explain to them. No, it's just you, Joey. <laughs> Lori, <laughs> it's just you. This was a trick that was played by uh. the boys and girls at a camp. Now think about this. Was, okay, okay so, but I haven't gotten to what played out yet. I know, so, I, you know, if I, you I can, if you can explain the whole thing away, I love it. I, I will absolutely go with that. If you can explain the whole thing away, but we're, you know, we'll just see. I'm just being a poop. <laughs> I'm just being a poop. Keep going. I apologize. I know. Oh, no, I, I know you well enough, Jesse. It's all good. <laughs> and, and it's totally cool because I hang out with so many people now that are just totally accepting. I really haven't had a skeptic that I've talked with about it, which is totally cool. Although I grew up with nothing but skeptics. So it's actually an experience I didn't talk about until I was in my mid to late 20s. And then I was very careful at first. So I grew up around people who did not believe in anything that was not physically tangible. I mean, they just didn't acknowledge that anything else existed. So for me to have an experience that I could not explain at the time was like outside of my realm of comprehension, which is partly why I was utterly terrified by it at the time. So it's, I, I hear where you're coming from and it convinced me at the time, despite my background. So that's all I can say. So it's it scared you, but at the same time, were you at first trying to dismiss it as a dream? Because I assume since your story is, I did what the voices told me to, that it goes a little bit further than just glory. <laughs> well, so as I, as I was laying there and, you know, my heart started calming down and I'm starting to notice that, okay, there's these boys running under the window. I started thinking, okay, whoever, whatever you are, what do you want me to do? You got my attention. What do you want me to do? And it occurred to me that somehow I'm supposed to stop the boys from coming in and raiding the cabin. And I'm thinking, what, what do I do with that? Because by time I get out of bed and convince my, you know, cabin leader what's going on, cause she's dead asleep in her bunk. I can hear her snoring. One, by the time I convince her of anything, it's too late. Like, you know, and despite being at church camp, I knew no one would believe me. So what, you know, it's like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? And I heard scream and I thought, well, but I don't want anybody to know it's me because I don't want to have to explain any of this to anybody because <laughs> they're not going to believe me. And I'm, you know, like I said, at the time I was very shy and very quiet. And the idea of screaming was like, that's, I mean, even when somebody would surprise me, you know, or startle me or something, I'm not a screamer. That's just, I, I don't do that. And so I'm like, really? But, you know, there's more and more boys running under the window and I know they're getting around the cabin and, you know, the girls are in the restroom. So I'm like, fine, fine. I'll just do it. So I screamed as loud and long as I could, just the word raid. 
And of course, I mean, it's a bunch of teenage girls. So they all start screaming. My poor cabin leader sat up so fast she hit her head. I felt really bad about that, actually. <laughs> and she, she got up and the other three cabin leaders, there were four total, um, I heard them go out to the common area and just as they're starting to kind of go, okay, what happened? Who started it? The front door opened and they stopped the boys right there. And it was like, okay, so, and nobody ever knew who started the screaming. Nobody ever knew anything else. It was like, okay, well, I guess I was supposed to stop that. I don't know why. That's, um, that's really super interesting. So we only have about 30 seconds till we go to break. So even though you decided consciously, I'm going to scream, not because I'm scared and actively screaming, but I'm going to scream because that's my remedy to... I don't know, put a break into this sleep pattern of everybody and let them know something's going on. So you don't scream rape, which is like the ideal thing for a woman to scream. You scream raid, right? As in to say the boys are trying to raid us. And then, of course, they open the door and naturally there are the boys getting ready to complete their raid, which I assume got aborted, right? And so... Yeah, they literally got stopped at the door. They didn't even get inside. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to continue hearing more about what these voices told Lori. (laughs) We'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear, and listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. 
Lori Ann Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. So, Lori, we're back. And I'm really excited about this because I had a, a, a story that I shared called The Haunted Deck. And I believe that there can be ghosts or signs or things out there that are just, I don't know if you want to call them supernatural or bizarre or whatever you want to call them. But I think that there is something kind of weird out there sometimes. And I believe that you might be describing a a similar experience. So you catch the boys. Mm -hmm. You're a quiet girl. You didn't really even think you had the scream in you, but some way, somehow you screamed out raid and they catch the boys. Mm -hmm. Is this the one and only experience you have with the voice or are there? I'll I'll give you back the floor. The floor is yours. Continue with your story. Awesome. And, And no, that's not my only experience. And for me, I... I would say that I consider them more like guides or angels as opposed to disembodied individuals. Um, but that's, I mean, and, and as far as I know, they've been with me since birth. And I would say I wasn't really even aware that other people did not have that experience until I was like in third or fourth grade, which was kind of eye-opening and bizarre. (laughs) Well, hold on, hold on. So in third or fourth grade, you start to realize Mm -hmm. that maybe I'm a little different, but we do know that a lot of kids have an imaginary friend. Did you technically have what outsiders would have saw as an imaginary friend, but it was very much real to you, whether it be voice only or what have you? I... I don't believe, I mean, maybe, but I don't think so. I mean, because one of the things that I would do, I got in the habit of every day, uh, you know, okay, so growing up in Portland, especially in the spring, the the rains come and go constantly. And at that point in time, the weather reports were sort of a joke. And so we always wore layers because you never, you could go through all four seasons in a day as far as the weather was concerned kind of thing. And so, you know, a lot of people would just get in the habit of, you know, look outside, see what it's doing. But when you're getting ready for school in the morning, you're trying to prepare for the walk home at the same time. So you're kind of paying attention to the weather and, and that kind of thing. And we walk to school back and forth. And so I got in the habit every day of, you know, before I left for school, I would stop by my closet and ask just kind of a thought in my head, do I need my umbrella today? And I would get an answer, yes or no. And then I just naturally went, okay, great, and would go to school. And I didn't think anything of it until there was one day I showed up at school, beautiful sunny morning. Every weather report said we were supposed to be sunny at least that day, if not for several days. And 
I had been told to take my umbrella that morning. And so I got to school and I'm hanging it up in the closet. And one of the boys in the classroom behind me was like, oh, man, Lori brought her umbrella. We're going to get wet this afternoon. Now, why da- I, was, was, I felt like I'd gotten caught. <laughs> was, was he saying that jokingly, making fun, or did you have experience in the past where he kind of knew that this voice was telling you it's going to rain today, so you wear your slicker and your jacket and the whole nine yards, and then it's sunny out, so everyone thinks, oh, Lori's goofy. But the reality is, I'm assuming it ended up raining that day. Am I right? It did. I was the only one who was dry. And the thing is, that was the first time I ever realized anybody else had noticed and that others didn't have that experience. Like, you know, as kids, we sort of assume whatever our experience is, is everyone's, you know, until we run into something that's not. And that was the first time it was like, oh, wait, you mean other people don't have this? And I actually felt like I'd gotten like caught with my hand in the cookie jar sort of thing. Like this was somehow a bad thing. Uh, and it, it was bizarre. And no, he wasn't joking. He was dead serious. He was actually really worried and concerned. It's <laughs> like, oh, no. Um, and yeah, it rained that afternoon. Lori, so I want to ask a good reason to have my umbrella. I want to ask your advice. I love Las Vegas, Nevada. Have you ever been to Las Vegas? Yes, I have. Occasionally, I'll go into a casino and a little voice in my head will say, go put a hundred on black or go put a hundred on red. And I fight it. And then a couple hours later, go put 200 on red. Go put 200 on black. And I keep hearing these voices. Am I doing good to ignore the voice or should I just take the 200 and go put it on black? You know, for everyone, it's an individual experience. It's one of those things that if you did it when you heard it and it worked out, then oh. do it again. But, that, you know, I mean, really I, I just got in the habit of. <laughs> well, I mean, it was just something where I was doing it every day and I learned to trust the voice. I mean, it's sort of like a relationship. You've got to learn to trust it. And there will be times where you misinterpret it. You know, there have been times in my life where I've heard or gotten an idea, but I completely misinterpreted it. And I can look back now and realize, oh, it meant this other thing. <laughs> Whoops, my bad. At the, um, at the Christian camp... The voice was a a male voice. I don't know if that means a boy's voice or a man's voice, but the voice in your closet that every day would tell you whether or not to wear a jacket, was that a female voice or a man's voice? You know, I actually don't remember it having a gender. It just was like I would just get an answer. I don't really recall it having a voice per se, Um, but I knew that. I would just, I would, how do I explain it? I would both sort of hear the answer and see it in my head. Do you you feel like that's different than the angel on my shoulder while, you know, I've got the devil on the other shoulder. So like, are you really just having an eternal, an internal dialogue, excuse me, and you're maybe misrepresenting it or misthinking of it as something more? Well, I guess that's one possibility, and I've often asked myself that question, to be honest. But 
my own awareness of weather patterns, especially in third or fourth grade, could not be more consistent than the weatherman who'd spent his entire, you know, adult life studying it. And yet it was more consistent. So whether it's my own internal self-talking kind of thing, like we do, or some way of tapping into, I don't know what, but it was consistent and correct enough that other people noticed that I was a better barometer than the weather reports. Now, so, Lori, Lori, whatever let me, that means, I don't know. <laughs> Lori, let me ask you this though, because from an Arizonan's point of view, where it very rarely rains, okay, I know right now before I even step foot in the state of Oregon, I already know that that place it rains darn near daily or weekly at least right so you you correctly guessed that it was going to rain in a state where it rains constantly but did you ever have the opposite where they said it was going to rain and something told you not to take your jacket to go ahead and wear your shorts and summer gear and you were right then yes it was it was consistent both directions so it's just that one stands out to me because that was the one time somebody else noticed. I think that proves it. Ghosts are real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just, hey, you know, why I'm not? Just, I'm just playing with you, Lori. So check this out. If something tells you that it's going to rain and it rains or if somebody tells you, no, it's not going to rain, it's sunshine and you're correct, those are cute things. But I know for a fact that these voices haven't told you the winning lottery numbers yet, but there could be oh, something, <laughs> there could be something more important than the winning lottery numbers. For example, did this voice ever keep you safe during your adolescent or teenage years? Did it get you out of a fight? Did it get you out of a bad, sticky situation? Um. I mean, I, w I would consider that time in church camp, a, you know, a potentially bad situation that was averted for everyone. I mean, I can't imagine if the boys had gotten in and gone through all the cabins or all the rooms, you know, I mean, those girls that were awake in the bathroom were really the only ones that were still up. Everyone else was asleep. No, wait, Lori. You know, Laurie. otherwise close to. So that would have that would have felt incredibly invasive for a bunch of teen girls. Oh, I mean, OK, because I, I put yourself I, in the teen girl's shoes. That could have been very traumatizing for the teen girls. OK, I, I'll give it to you there, because I was just going to joke that how much bad could a bunch of Christian boys do in a, in a camp just, you know, having fun. <laughs> but I'll give it to you that I guess they could have been, you know, Jason Voorhees offspring or something. But uh, OK, so. Well, you know, and, and teenage boys aren't exactly known for making the best decisions. Christian or otherwise. So, you know, what they think is a joke, girls may not. <laughs> I mean, there's a certain reality to just being a teenage boy. So, you know, two sides to that. When you were at the Bible camp or the Christian camp, excuse me, and you heard the voice, you described that you were a little bit scared by it. Um, but at the same time, when you were a child, mm -hmm. hearing the intuitive voice telling you, you know, where, whether or not to wear your jacket or, or, or this, that and the other, it didn't really scare you. I'd imagine it had a soothing effect on you. Um, mm -hmm. Did it start? Did it maybe freak you out a little in third or fourth grade when you found out that these voices were unique to you and that the other schoolmates didn't have it? 
In other words, I guess what I'm pointing at is why were you freaked out at the church camp, but not freaked out, you know, beforehand? Honestly, I think it was intentional by that voice to wake me up and get my attention. Um, to be quite frank, that it was a situational like, hey, we need you awake and paying attention now immediately. Uh, because that same male voice did speak to me again in my 20s, and it was a very opposite effect. I, I, there was no fear at all. It was actually very incredibly peaceful and calming in a situation that was quite frightening in and of itself had that voice not been there. So I think it had more to do with the situation. Tell me about your 20s. Was it, you said it was frightening. So you're uh, a girl, I assume, that's out of high school, maybe in the first couple of years of college, if you went to college. And did you have a scary situation involving maybe a man or a party? or a, what, what was the situation where you had a little bit of a scary situation? So what was going on, I was, I think, about 26 or 27, and my, my mom called uh, like 6 a.m. that morning. I was married. I had my daughter, let's see, my daughter was 12 days old. My son was three, and my mom hadn't been feeling well for a couple of years. She'd had all kinds of bizarre sort of symptoms she couldn't explain doctors couldn't figure it out but she called that morning at like 6 a.m and all she could tell me was it hurt and I'm like well what hurts and and she said you know I don't know it just hurts with my mom she'd been so articulate up to that point I knew something was was very wrong turns out she was having a brain aneurysm so my Husband took her to the hospital. When the nurse called me later to let me know they'd found blood in the brain and the MRI and that kind of stuff, that was, there was a moment where I'm like, my mom's dying. People don't survive this. And I remember holding the phone up to my left ear. I was alone in the room. Everyone else was downstairs at the time. And hearing the nurse's voice, and I remember, you know, just that feeling of, you know, she's my mom's dying. And I, you know, literally the room started going black. I mean, it was bright, sunny June day, and my vision started closing in and, you know, that kind of thing. And I realized I was going to pass out. But I'm standing there with the phone to my, my ear, listening to the nurse, and just about the point where my vision went completely black, that male voice on the other side, on the other ear, uh, I heard that male voice tell me, it's okay, she's coming home. And I immediately felt completely and utterly at peace in every sense of the word. And my vision was fine. And I was just, I was fine. I'm like, okay. She's coming home. No big deal. Um, and so it was a very different experience. And it was interesting because that time I actually felt like a little breath on my cheek too um, with, with the male voice. So, and there was nobody physically even in the room. Give me a visual. But, I'm picturing, is this happening when you're on the phone waiting for a response from the yes. nurses? 
and all of a sudden this male yes. voice comes through the phone or was it more like in the room with no. you while you're on the phone? So while I'm on the phone, I had the phone up to my left ear. And while I'm actually talking to the nurse, the male voice spoke in my right ear and I felt the breath on my, but it was outside of my head. It wasn't a voice inside of me. It was outside of my head and I felt a little breeze across my cheek like somebody would have been speaking close to my face type of thing. I'm so glad that you had that experience because, and, and by the way, right after you hear that voice, does the nurse confirm it? On, on the phone no, and say? The, no, no, actually. Um, what, what the nurse was letting me know was that, you know, my mom was being transferred to a different hospital that had better facilities for such things. Her stuff was with her. Here's how to catch up to her because she's, you know, being transported across town. And it, it was interesting because it actually took me about three years to figure a couple of things out because I made assumptions where, you know, it's like, okay, my mom's coming home. I assumed that meant mom would be fine and life would resume as it was. But that was my assumption. Hold That's it there. How it hold, hold it there. <laughs> that is a great cliffhanger. I, I, love, I love that you've come on my show. I consider you and Uncle Mark true friends. Um, you guys have a show on our network, too, that's really popular where you let people share a lot of uh, their stories and internal conflict mm -hmm. and stuff that they've overcome. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. But if you don't mind, keep that thought. We're going to take, take a quick break. We'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? 
It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and friends. So, Lori, before we left, your mom's in the hospital. She's getting ready to be transferred to a bigger, more hospital where I assume they can do more advanced things to help her. But you have this voice that tells you, fear not, she's coming home. Or maybe not fear not, but she's coming home. <laughs> so, you, so you start to feel confident, but you're a little off because you're thinking she's coming home sooner rather than later and everything's going to pick up like before and be normal. Um, right. And by the way, before I throw it back at you, when your mom just said, I don't know, but it hurts – that must have been chilling because I'm almost just picturing a woman trying to describe a, a weird, unique pain that she's feeling in her body and soul. So I give, I give the floor back to you. Start, start us with the transfer from one hospital to a bigger one, if you will. Yeah. So for my mom, they did send her to another hospital. She actually was in the ICU for a little over a month fighting for her life. Um, and the doctors let me know at one point that if she's lucky, she has about a 5% chance of surviving. And when I went in to see her, because I had to go in and answer a bunch of medical questions and things like that to the nurses while they had her in a medical coma. And during that first week, she was in another man came in with the exact same issue, a brain aneurysm in about the same place, and he passed away within a few days. So my mom is fighting for her life and they did, they were able to repair the aneurysms. She is still alive to this day. That was 2003 when it happened. So she is still alive. Um, but she never quite came home in the same sense that I assumed. And so therein lies sort of, I want to say the interpretation issues maybe or, or challenges that come up because that voice never lied to me. Um, it's just that I assumed certain things about it. So, you know, one, it never explained what coming home meant, you know, and in my conceptualization of the world, sometimes I will refer to somebody passing on as having gone home. And so I don't know, you know, okay, well, we're all going home eventually, uh, kind of thing. And the other thing is that voice never put a timeline on it. So who knows? So I made a bunch of assumptions and started operating my life on those assumptions. And like I said, it took me about three years to realize that it was my assumptions I was operating on, not the message I had received. And it, the, the ripple effects in my own life were quite profound, which is an entirely different story. Uh, but I've learned to, I guess, ask more questions when I get messages or maybe not make so many assumptions. Um, but it helped me calm down at the time and was what I needed to hear in that moment. Yeah, let me ask you this. Um, this is your birth mother, correct? You weren't adopted, yes. I, don't, I don't believe, right? So is there a piece of you, like, I would wonder, and maybe even ask the doctors, this aneurysm thing that has besieged my mother, 
Um, is it something that you worry about potentially affecting you and your future? Or in other words, is, does it run in the family or is this just kind of a lightning bolt that came out of nowhere and affected your mom? Yes and yes. I mean, it, it is, it's not something that's ever run in the family before, but one doctor did tell me it would be wise to get checked occasionally because it can be genetic at times, but he didn't know for sure. So it's kind of that, well, I'm, I'm, and I'm actually almost to the age my mom was when it happened to her. So I'm, I'm conscious of that, but I also need to like, just live my life. So, you know, how, if, if you had, if you, you said that there was a piece of her that didn't come home, I'm kind of envisioning a woman that maybe motor skills, she's not uh, as active as she used to be. And maybe mentally it takes her a little bit longer to um, process things than it did before. Can you describe the before and after? Before she went in, I assume she was young, thriving, totally healthy. Afterwards, did it, did it age her? So she was, it was about a month before her 50th birthday when she went in. So she was 49 years old which is, I mean, you don't expect anything to be happening to your parents. So I wound up in what they call a sandwich generation where I had my parent to take care of and my infant children. Um, So that was a little bit of stress, but she was 49. She was living on her own literally for the first time in her life. Um, She was in the middle of a divorce at the time and she was, eating healthier, working on losing weight and taking care of herself. She was working full time. You know, she was taking control of her life back, I would say really for the first time in her life in many ways. Um, Now, and, you know, after, because of the aneurysm, um, she, it's almost like she's had a stroke, except it affects the whole brain, not just one side. And it was frontal lobe damage. So you can still talk to her. She still has a conversation. She's still intelligent. Her hands don't always do what she wants them to. Um, There was a period of time and occasionally I think it still happens, but like when she was washing her hands, she would try to turn the faucet off with one hand and the other hand would turn it right back on again without her wanting it to. So she had to relearn control. Um, There were things that she had to go through, like, you know, she could tell you how to get dressed, but she couldn't actually perform it in that order. Um, She would wind up with her underwear outside the pants or, you know, things like that, that, you, you know, and she would know, but she couldn't control it. So those kinds of things she does well now, she did relearn those skills. So she is living on her own now. She cooks her own meals. You know, she kind of shuffles her feet a bit. And, you know, you can tell when you talk to her, something's a little bit off. With the frontal lobe damage, she can't handle emotions pretty much at all. If she gets upset, she just like hangs up the phone or, you know, something along those lines, depending on what it is. She just can't handle Um, stress or or intensity of any kind. Um, But I do manage her finances for her. She has no control in terms of her spending habits and can't track 
that. If she, when she has had control, she overspends immediately. So I do handle her finances for her now. Um, but otherwise, she lives independently. She's still in Portland. So your mother's like me. She's addicted to eBay. God, it's they've got so many neat things that you can buy. And then, you know, Amazon can get it to you the next day. And, you know, Walmart, if you spend 35 bucks, it's free shipping. And it's just like, wow. No, I, uh, I, I do have a little bit of an eBay addiction that I'm trying to get over. Uh, but uh, so, so let me ask you this, because we've got about, you know, eight, nine minutes left. You um, you have your own show here at the network. Can you just tell us what that title is of your show? Yeah, it's Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. And, and it's uh, one that I co-host with with my partner, Mark. So let me ask you this. Have have you heard this male's voice? Maybe, you know, now that you're no longer in your 20s, do you still occasionally hear it? Do you ever hear other voices that are maybe non-male? When was the last time you've had an experience with the voice or is it more of an internal voice that you hear? Oh, I've had all kinds of experiences throughout my life. Um, those two are the only ones I would say where I've heard a male voice that was outside of my head and clearly exterior to anything going on within me. Um, most of the time, the communication is, I want to say, internal whether it's in, and sometimes it's a voice, sometimes it's information, sometimes it's a sense of knowing. My dreams are quite active as well. Uh, and I've had dreams where when I shared them with the other person, the other person finished my description for me um, because they were there in the same dream at the same time. It was a really interesting experience. Um, so I've had lots of different kinds of experiences that are corroborated by other people. You know, that would be really super cool to have a, a real thought out dream, right? Not just a, you know, 30 second dream that you forget right when you wake up, but a, a dream that really seemed real. And then to find out that one of your friends or family members that, you know, you were experiencing in said dream ended up having that same dream, which it sounds like the, the thing that you're describing. That would be really, really an awesome situation. Um, so as far as safe, as far as safety is concerned, though, you still to this day don't know exactly what was meant by she's coming home. And you say that because, you know, now you actually mention they're coming home when a person dies, because technically we're all coming home, you know, sometime in the future, like you said. So you never had a moment where maybe there was gunfire or, or something that maybe you avoided for example um you remember that movie final destination where the girl thinks that the that the airplane's gonna explode so she chooses not to get on the plane right and then she's looking out the window of the terminal and then lo and behold the airplane explodes did you ever have like a premonition type situation with the voices where maybe they told you you know or maybe you just had a bad vibe you know i'm not going to go to this party or i'm not going to go this path You know, I did have, I mean, and I've had a couple of interesting um, experiences with that. One, 
let's see, I was in high school and my grandmother was in hospice. She was passing away and, and her room was in our home. And so, I mean, we knew she was passing and that was the process. Of course, nobody knows when. Um, but there was one morning my alarm went off and the first thing that went through my head was, you know, grandma's dying. And I thought, oh, okay. And I hit my snooze button and went back to sleep. And when the snooze button went off, the first thing that went through my head was grandma's dying and you need to get up now. And I went, oh, okay. So I got up, got my robe. Everyone's running around the house because um, they know she's passing. They asked me to call a hospice nurse. So I did that. And then I was standing at the bedroom door and I could hear, you know, watching my aunt screaming at my grandmother um, to, you know, hold on, dad's coming, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember thinking, you know, they just need to let her go. You know, it's, it's okay. They just need to let her go. And within moments, my blind aunt turns around in my direction, which I hadn't spoken. So I'm not really even sure how she knew I was there, but she turns in my direction and says, you need to come hold her hand now. I'm like, okay. So I'm, I don't know what else I'm doing. So I go and I hold her hand and they're still kind of screaming from the doorway for her to hold on. And I just thought, you know what, grandma, if you can hear me, you're loved and it's okay to go now. And she literally took one more breath and was gone. How old was she? Do you know? My grandmother? At the time she passed. Oh, I want to say like 88, 89, somewhere in that vicinity. I don't oh, Okay. I, for some reason, I was just envisioning your grandma being only in her 60s or something. And I'm glad, I'm glad to know that she made it into her 80s because... I don't know. I always feel like people get cheated out of some years. You know, my uncle David died when he was 50. My uncle Jeff died mm -hmm. at 59. And I feel like that's just kind of a travesty. You know, we should all have a good solid 80 plus years, but no one's guaranteed tomorrow, let alone 80 years, you know, especially um, right now. <laughs> so I noticed that you mentioned the point that your aunt was blind and we've, mm -hmm. all, we've, we've always known that Blind people have some special powers. They can hear stuff that the average ears cannot hear. They're intuitive, right? They might even know when you're up to in shenanigans. I mean, I've seen, or shenanigans, excuse me. I've seen some stuff. Was your aunt like that? Do you think she had some of this intuitive uh, nature that you have as well? If she did, she would not have consciously acknowledged it. She was somebody that just really... I guess was a product of her times. She didn't believe in any of that stuff. So if there, it was there, it was unconscious and in the moment and wasn't thought about. So I, I have no idea. She's passed on now too. So there's no way for me to ask her. But. Right, right. So we only have two minutes left, but I always wonder with my friends, you said, you said that in a camp full of Christian believers, no one would believe you. And so what I'd like to know is, do you still have predominantly Christian-based thoughts now? In other words, do you think that there's a chance that your grandmother's in this place we think of as heaven? Um, and do you think that you and your mother will ultimately one day both be reunited with grandma? I would say my beliefs are a little bit more complex than that. In, and some of it comes from 
experiences. I, I want to say experiences I had while I was asleep because they weren't typical dreams. Like I said, sometimes they've been shared, but I would say I've gone to that other place and spoken with my guides. I know there is someplace else that exists. I also have a memory of having chosen this life before I came into it. So there is another place. I do believe we'll reconnect. Um, I don't call my beliefs specifically any particular brand of religion. It's just more uh, spiritual based, based on my own experiences. And yeah, I, I don't really know how else to refer to it. So I heard, I heard once upon a time, and I think it's Chinese culture or whatever, that we do choose our parents. So when you say that you kind of made a conscious decision, sometimes I talk to my mom and I'll be like, mom, you are so goofy. I must have chosen you because <laughs> it would be cruel if God just chose you for me, mom. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that there's something interesting <laughs> to uh, this world that we're in. I think there's a lot of things that uh, we don't really know the answers to yet, but I, I, I do hope that we, uh, I hope we do get reunited with those souls of friends and family members that we've lost. Cause Lori, if you would have asked me uh, 20 years ago when I was in my twenties, how many friends and family members I've lost, I would have told you, you know, one or two, you know, just very few. But now that I'm in my mid forties, my God, I feel like I've honestly lost dozens of friends and dozens of family. I, I feel like my heaven is getting pretty populated with, with souls. So um, I want to thank you for coming on Jesse Jameson and friends, but uh, I want to let everyone know that next week we'll have somebody else on with another great story. And uh, once again, rise and shine. It's not just for mornings anymore. Check that out on our variety channel. That's the end of the show, Lori. Thank you for sharing with us and we will see you guys all next week. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved. <laughs>